0: Please be seated. Well, good morning. It is a good morning. I was reading the Bible. It says this. This is the day the Lord has made. I am going to rejoice and be glad in it. Say that with me. This is the day the Lord has made. I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it. Notice I put a little emphasis on it. You know why? If you read the Bible, the Bible says, boast not yourself of tomorrow. You have no comprehension what one day will bring. Wow. Wow, I'm telling you guys, uh, did you know this? All the money in the whole wide world compiled together couldn't buy back one single second of yesterday. It's history. Boast not yourself of tomorrow. Unless, what we've got to do now is we've got to learn to live in the now. We've got to learn how to maximize the moment. The devil, if he, he, he'll paralyze us and neutralize us, putting off what we need to do today. He's always wanting us to delay, but God is saying no delay, no delay. We got to do what we're going to do and do it swiftly. We do not have the luxury of another 40 years around the mountain, do we? We're going to have to redeem the time and make full use of every moment. Ephesians 5, 14 through 18. Well, we've enjoyed being here. Don't come to church and not enjoy it. I really mean that. I want you to have a good time. And how do you have a good time? You don't have to snuff, sniff up cocaine or shoot in heroin or go out and lay out like a cat. No, here's, here's how you have a good time. Psalm 16, 11. In His presence is fullness of joy. At His right hand are pleasures forevermore. You can't have a good time without Jesus. Yeah. See, He gives joy and peace. Oh, man. Listen, I'm telling you, the devil promises, oh, come on, you'll have a good time. There is pleasure in sin, but it's very short-lived. But the things of God are eternal. Yeah. I, would, I want you to learn how to love God and walk with God and become like God. What? Yes, we're supposed to be like Jesus. And Jesus is just exactly like God. That's what Colossians 1.15 uh, said. He is the express image of the invisible God. Colossians 1.15. Christ is express image of the invisible God. Jesus said it this way. If you've seen me, you have seen the Father. I and the Father are one. Wow. You can't know God apart from Jesus. You can't. And I'm telling you, Acts 4.12 says, Neither is there salvation in any other. There's none other name given among men whereby you must be saved. Don't fall into that thing saying, Well, you know, uh, uh, everybody's going to the same place. I am not going where a Hindu's going. I'm not going where a Muslim's going. I'm going to heaven. And the only way you get there is Jesus. I am the way, the truth, the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. I said that right in a meeting once, and uh, 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 one of these hyper-liberal theologians raised his hand. And he said, Brother, brother, it it appears to me that you're assuming that all these other religions are lost. I said, Oh, no, so you're in error. I'm not assuming it. I'm declaring it. (laughs) There's no other salvation other than Jesus. And we better be bold enough to tell people that. I don't want people to go to hell when I could have led them to Jesus so they could go to heaven. Jesus said, if I tell you to warn the wicked man of his wicked ways and you don't do it and he dies, his blood will I require at your hands. A lot of people say, well, I'm not very bold. The reason is you're a coward. You're not full of the Holy Ghost. You get full of the Holy Ghost, you'll have boldness. Acts 1.8. But you shall receive what? Power. When? After the Holy Ghost comes upon you. And you will be a witness. In Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and where All over the whole earth. Listen, now, I like to stir up stuff. <laughs> why, why let everything just kind of lie dormant? Let's stir up some stuff. Now, here we go. I ride a plane every week. Every week I'm on a plane going somewhere. And here's what happened. I might have been just a little sensitive that day, but everybody, it seemed like everybody on that plane, they'd, be, they'd close their overhead bin and they, people were going, God, Jesus Just over and over and over. And I thought, I've had all of this and I'm going to take. So the plane gets up like this and it gets leveled out at its 33,000 feet. So I get up. I open my bin and I slam it as hard as you can slam a bin. Slam! And I go, damn, Buddha! (laughs) See? yeah. Not a single person was offended when they were cursing God and blaspheming Jesus. But I had me a whole plane full of mad people. And I said to him, I demand equal time. You know, if they're going to curse Jesus, I'm going to lay it down on these, you know, Buddha and all these hairy who's or whatever, you know. Listen, we better understand we got to guard the faith. Because certain people are creepy and said, it doesn't matter what you believe. It does matter what you believe. We've got to come out from among them and be separate and touch not the unclean thing. We've got to really, I don't know where we got this thing that, that holiness is optional. The Bible says, pursue peace and holiness for without holiness, no individual will see the Lord. Holiness is not, it's not optional. It's absolutely essential. You say, well, what do you mean holiness? I mean living like Jesus. Asking Jesus to forgive you, cleanse you and walk a life worthy of the Lord. You know, I've got a lot of stuff to talk about today. I'm as wound up as an eight-day clock, man. How you doing? You're going to be okay. I'm sure. I'm absolutely sure. Now, how many of you in this room want peace? I mean, genuine peace inside your heart. Here's what God told me. He said, here's the problem with the people. They gaze at their problem and glance at their solution." Huck out now. We gaze at our problem, but we glance at our solution. And you need a good inoculation of Isaiah 26.3. Isaiah 26.3 says, That will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed upon thee. Trust in the Lord Jehovah, for in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting peace. So quit gazing at your problem. Jesus said it this way, Men's hearts failing them for the things they see coming upon the earth. You look out, you'll despair. You look up, you'll find peace. Don't you want to do that? We're guilty of uh, the devil always will show you the problem on him and try to blind you to the solution. Is there any benefit to focusing on God? 2 Corinthians 3.18. Yes. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, As we behold him with an unveiled face, we're changed from one dimension of glory to the next. You can't go higher with God without focusing on him. 2 Corinthians 3.18, as we behold him with an unveiled face. Okay, now my hand could be a veil, correct? If we be, as we behold him with an unveiled face. Now, my hand could be a veil. I can see you, but I can't see you very distinctly. Something's in between us and it's a veil. So I said, Lord, what veil is over the church keeping us from seeing Jesus in his purity? And it's going to shock you. Guess what it is? I'll tell you what it is. You ready? Tradition. That's, that's the veil over the church, so they can't see Jesus in the dimension God wants you to see him. Tradition is the only thing I've ever found in the Bible more powerful than the Bible. Teaching for commandments the traditions of men and making the word of God of none effect. We're going to have to get back to the word of God. We're going to have to get back to seeing the things of God. So I don't want anything in our face, do you? I want to see him like he is so we become like him. All right. Okay, so Good. Have you, uh, I want to show you a, a, a wonderful, encouraging verse in a moment, okay? Here's what the Lord told me. He said, tell the people, get their hearts right. I'm preparing to answer the prayer Paul prayed in Colossians. Tell the people, get their heart right, because I'm preparing to answer the prayer Paul prayed in Colossians. Let me ask you, and we, I'll read it, the prayer, and you see if you want to be involved in this prayer, okay? Say yes, Bobby. Okay, I'm heading now to Colossians chapter 1. All right, everybody, you'll you'll be okay. It's just the Bible. It's a sharp two-edged sword piercing asunder the soul and the spirit and is a discerner of the thought and the intent of the heart. This thing will tear you up and build you up. It's a sword. It'll cut away the carnal things out of your life. It'll drive the devil back. It's one of the only weapons we've been given, taking the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. That's why Hosea says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. We stay out of this book. We're staying dumb. It's the only book on the planet that guarantees us success if you'll memorize it. What? It's the only book on the planet that guarantees you success if you'll memorize it. Joshua 1.8. The words of this law shall not depart from your eyes. You shall meditate upon them day and night, and they will guarantee you overwhelming success. Now, if you want to be a flop and a failure, stay out of the Bible. <laughs> but if you don't have overwhelming success, eat the Word of God. Get the Word of God in you. Your words were found, and I didn't eat them, and they were the rejoicing my heart. But here's what God said. He said, tell them, I'm preparing to answer the prayer Paul prayed in Colossians. So let's see what he prayed. I'm in Colossians chapter 1, starting with verse 8. He, this, this, this individual comes and tells Paul how faithful the church at Colossae had been. And so here's, that's, that's what this starts with, verse 8. He also informed us of your love in the Holy Spirit. Now let me really translate that like it's written in the Greek. This man comes and tells Paul how zealously burning the love is for the Holy Spirit in this church of Colossae. For he informed us of your burning, zealous love in the Holy Spirit. For this reason, your burning, zealous love for the Holy Spirit. Verse 9. For this reason, we also, from the day we heard of it, your burning, zealous love for the Holy Spirit. Watch this. Have not ceased to pray and make special requests for you, asking that you may be filled with the full, deep, clear knowledge of God's will in all spiritual wisdom and comprehensive insights into the ways and the purposes of God in understanding and discerning of spiritual things. How many of you want that? Filled with all the comprehensive insights into the deep mystical things of God. I do! Don't you? All right. Verse 10, that you may walk. Live and conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the Lord. Fully, say fully. Fully pleasing to him and desiring to please him in all things. Bearing fruit in every good work. And steadily growing and increasing in and by the knowledge of God. With fuller, deeper, and clearer insights and acquaintances and recognition. I want to live a life pleasing to the Lord. I want to walk worthy of the Lord. Don't you? I want, I want to be included in this prayer. How to walk straight in a crooked world, that's how. Let me look at that, that you may walk, live, and conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the Lord. See, when you walk away from God and do something wrong, you're, you're ridden with guilt. Wow. And with the guilt comes shame, and with the shame comes a, a timid heart. That's right. He says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew in me a right spirit. Then. I'll teach transgressors your way. So the devil will get you into sin to get you timid. To keep your mouth shut about God. Wow. Okay. Ah, ducky. look at number 11. We pray that you may be invigorated. Say it. Invigorated. Say it loud. Invigorated. That means stimulated from the inside out. Now you know a lot about being stimulated from the outside in. People snuffing, they're shooting, they're snipping, they're swallowing. They're trying to get stimulated. But the Holy Ghost wants to stimulate you from the inside out. It's called invigorated. Nobody nobody can get that but spirit-filled believers. Okay. We pray that you may be invigorated and strengthened with power according to the might of His glory to exercise every kind of endurance and patience and perseverance and forbearance with joy. Woo! That means anything and everything the devil throws at you, you go, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> Have you read the Bible? It says, yea, though I walk through the valley. He says, God, right in the midst of the valley and the shadow, God throws a party for you. He sets a table before you in the presence of your enemies. He anoints your head with oil. Right in the middle of the mess, God hollers and throws you a victory banquet. Amen. Don't you know that makes the devil's horn smoke? He's <laughs> thrown all of this only to drive you away from God and it drove you to him. That's pretty wild. We pray that you may be invigorated, strengthened, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified, qualified us and made us fit to share in the portion which is the inheritance of the saints, God's holy set apart ones. That is a big mouthful. There, you've got an inheritance, a heavenly inheritance coming. What is it? Anything Jesus has, you have equal share. The Book of Hebrews says He is the rightful owner. I'm screaming. He is the rightful owner of the whole universe. So, now I don't know how it is here in uh, Ohio, but in Texas or somewhere, if you go up to a banker to make a loan, he's going to ask you, well, do you have any assets? Now, if you read Hebrews and that verse right there, you could say, yeah, I reckon I do. (laughs) What's your assets? Well, I'm half owner of the universe. (laughs) You, You have equal share. You're a joint heir with Christ. That means whatever he has, you have equal share. I dare you to start believing that. As He is, so are we in this present world. We have got to eradicate ourselves from stinking thinking. We've got to think about ourselves like God does. We've got to position ourselves to be zealously in love with the Holy Spirit so we can have that stimulation. We can be drawn into the deeper mystical things of God. It's available to us, isn't it? It really is. Yes, say yes. Okay. I don't want to be talking to myself, however I do sometimes. i just, I got books out there. I want you to get every one of them. Where I won't have to pack them up and carry them home. I won't, uh, listen. You're doing good. Yeah, I'm doing great. You're doing better than you think. We talked about that. <laughs> Give me f- that's five. I like five. Five grace. Oh, yeah. It says he laid the he laid the foundations with grace, but he laid the capstones with the shouts of grace. Grace. We are in the season of the double. You need that. You know that, don't you? Oh, yeah, he can do exceedingly abundantly. Jesus Christ walked up to me once. He said, I give you my personal permission to attempt to exaggerate what I'm about to do. And I said to him, I'll need a verse for that. And he said to me, no problem. And he gave me Ephesians 3, 20 and 21. Now to him that is what? Able to do exceedingly abundantly above all you could ask or dare to imagine. We better start imagining big things. He said, ask of me and I'll give you the nations. Wow. Well, you know, I don't want want to ask for too much. Yes. You start asking for what God's promised. He's promised to fill this whole earth with the knowledge of his son. As the waters cover the ocean. Isn't that something? This whole earth is going to be filled with the knowledge of God. Anyway, dread champions. God said, I want you to teach my people to be valiant warriors. You say, oh, no, I don't want no scrimmage. I don't want no trouble. Get out of church. (laughs) Have you read the Bible? The number one name for God in the Bible is what? Lord of hosts. The number one name in the Bible, the most repetitive name in the Bible for God is Lord of armies. That should give us a clue. There's a struggle on. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you guys, the Bible says we got to fight a good fight. Now, I used to be a street fighter. The only good fight you ever fight is the one you win. You never get the crap beat out of you and go, boy, that was a good fight. And I shouldn't say that word, but you know, you do all the time anyway. <laughs> I'm telling you guys, I did a whole message on dung. Since we're talking about that. It's in the Bible. Paul said, what I thought was gained to me, now I count, but dung. It's exactly what you think it is. You know what? You better study it in the Bible. The king will not come into your camp if your dung is there. That's why a lot of churches don't have a move of God. What is dumb it's what's left when flesh is enjoyed all it wants. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We don't want to get into biology here or whatever, but anyway. Well, good. Here's the dread champions. I want you to read it because God said, I want you to teach the people about the David's mighty men give them their Hebrew name and what they're. if you'll study the Hebrew names of David's mighty men, you'll find out the character and the conduct I intend for my end time soldiers to to, to really lift up. And so boy, I want you to really get into the, you say, well, Bobby, you mean there's a real struggle going on? Yes, there is. Did you know this? The devil would if he could kill every one of us in this room today. John 10, 10 said that the thief comes but for to steal, kill, maim and destroy. But here, here's a great verse Uh, Romans 16, uh, 11 says, The God of peace will crush Satan under your feet. Luke 10, 19 says, Behold, observe, focus on this. I give you power to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. And what he literally says, and it will in no wise hurt you. Luke 10, 19, here's what he literally says. I will give you authority to stop the devil's ability. Those those are the two words he used there for the word power. He said, I'll give you authority. Do you understand you have authority to bind him? Yeah. Did you read the book of Revelation? When Jesus Christ came up out of the grave, he had something. Keys! What keys did he have? He had the keys of death, hell, and the grave. You look at that, the devil can't even lock his door. The Bible says we've been, Matthew 18, 18 says we've been given power to bind him. And said you, if you don't bind him, he'll run rapid in your family. You've got to find out who you are and what's available to you. And we're, we're called warriors. We're called sons, saints, and soldiers. Oh, we love the sons and love the saints, but we'd shun the soldiers. But we're soldiers of the cross, aren't we? We've got to put up a struggle for the faith. The book of Jude, we talked about it last night a little bit. And uh, it says we've got to earnestly contend for the faith. Look that up. It means struggle to the last breath for the faith. Why? People's crepe and teaching. It doesn't matter. I tell you, we've got to get back to sound doctrine. But anyway, dread champions. Wow. Uh, pretty, pretty wild. We get into it in here, man. If there's one guy named Shammoth. He killed 800 guys in one day in a bean field. Now, you won't even fight your, for your family. And this dude is fighting off the enemy out of a bean field. It says when all the enemy came in, all of the armies of Saul ran out except Shammoth. Shammoth said, not today. And he took his stand in a bean field and killed 800 men with, by himself. Let me ask you this. Is what you got worth defending? Yeah, so Remember Saul's army? Saul's army, they would muster and put on all their war stuff, but they had no heart to engage the enemy. Forty days, two times a day. I'm screaming, 40. Forty days, two times a day. Goliath would rumble down off the mountain and holler, hey, anybody want to fight? Your Bible says when Saul's army heard him, they trembled. When they saw him, they fled. And then here comes little David. Said he was ruddy in complexion. That means he hadn't reached puberty. And David comes there and Goliath lumbers off the mountain. God's army's in the ditch. And Goliath says, anybody want to fight? All the sorrows army. goes, I don't. David said, is there not a cause? Who does this uncircumcised Philistine think he is? Now, here's a little shepherd's boy that has him uh, history with God. The bear came to him. The lion came to eat up the sheep, and God handled that. And he said, the God that handled the lion and the bear will handle this uncircumcised. Remember that? And then have you ever noticed this? When you start getting a brave heart, they'll try to put on you what they have no confidence in themselves. Saul said, here, put my armor on. They'll try to strap you down with something they didn't even believe in. But David, boy, he put that on. He goes, I don't know nothing about this, but I do know about God. And he went out against Goliath. Goliath means soothsayer. That's his name. Worker of deep darkness. Wow. A giant, actually a giant. But I I like this. And David goes, and Goliath laughed, gave him a belly laugh. Am I, you know, a dog that would send out a boy with a sling and a rock? But I'll tell you, when God sends you, he'll empower you, okay? Killed the giant, didn't he? Took what? His sword. That was David's sword from then on. Isn't that something? You defeat some foe, you'll have victory over all of it. Anyway, so I want you to get bold and brave, okay? Get the book. Dread champions. Don't lie to me now. I'll sign it. I'll give you a verse about you being a dread champion. We got to under, here, here's, your, here's a great verse about it. Second Chronicles, Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20. It starts with the word I really love, N-O-W. Help me. Now, now this precise moment, now we are ambassadors for Christ. So I looked up the word ambassador. It means a senior representative sent out with authority. I go, how much authority is that? The same amount as the one that sent me. Whose ambassador am I? Christ. Amen. How much authority has he got? Matthew twenty-eight, eighteen. all power, all authority is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Yeah. We're well equipped if we'll assume our position. Right. Don't you think? Assume our position. Okay, <laughs> you, you, you'll do that, I'm sure. You'll get the Shepherd's Rod book, too. Yeah, for 25 years on the Day of Atonement, we have a visitation from Jesus Christ. He'll tell me some of the things that's going to happen. I write it in a book called Shepherd's Rod. Do you write it in a year in advance? This is for 20, the year 2020. Boy, he said, teach my people how to soar above the chaos and confusion of this earth, how to walk on the wings of the wind. That's possible. Or God would have never told us to do it. And I I tell you the principles and the pattern to soar above the chaos and confusion of this world. And how to walk on the wings of the wind. It's Isaiah 40, 28 through 31. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They'll mount up with wings as of eagles. They'll run and not be weary. And listen, the first thing God said, he said, you've got to teach them to soar. But before you teach them to soar, you've got to teach them to have a firm foundation. And I, I put it in here, the first chapter is a firm foundation, top priority, building that firm foundation. If we're going to soar, we've got to soar so we can come back and roar. We've got to get up into the heavenlies and get the message from God and come back and roar it across this earth. But we have to have a firm foundation or we'll, just, we'll, we'll embarrass ourselves, we'll embarrass the church. No firmer foundation can you lay than, than it's in Christ. He is a solid rock, isn't he? He says in Matthew, said, if you build upon anything except my, my word, it's faulty and it won't stand. All right? All right, the shepherd's rod. There's a lot of stuff in there. Man, love. I got some verses marked in here too. Mm. You believe it's a time of visitation? I'm telling you guys, I am amazed. He said, I'm doing a new thing. He says in the book of Joshua, get the people ready. Get the people ready. You've never been where you're going now. I'm telling you, listen, God is opening new vistas, and I'm telling you, it is a great day to be alive. I think it's the most crucial time in human history, and God's let us live. Wow, I could tell you why, but I don't want to get you. I asked God, I said, God, why have you let us live in such a crucial time? I said, what were you thinking? He said, yes, I finally found a family of people weak enough to work in. Not weak in character, not weak in morals, not weak in ethics, but weak in their own ability. He said, I found me a generation of people that's embraced John 15, 5. John 15, 5, Jesus said, without me, you can't do nothing. But they've also turned their face to uh, Philippians 4, 13, I can do all things through Christ who infuses me with inner strength. I'm ready for anything that comes my way. Wow. Can't do a thing without him? Well, we are unstoppable with him. Romans 8, 37 said, yet amid all these things, we are super Victorious. I like that. Have you read it? Every time it talks about the conflict, we're always above and not beneath. We're the head and not the tail. Listen, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. 1 John 4 4. One translation says, superior in power and intellect is he that's in you than he that's in the world. That means you're sharper than the devil through Christ, you're stronger than the devil through Christ. I can do all things through Christ who infuses me with... Have you read that said I'm qualified? See, the devil always tries to convince you that you don't have what it takes, that you're not qualified. He's lying to you. The moment you got born again, the Holy Spirit of God came into your heart. And now we've got to let him take over our life. That's the one that that makes us bold and brave, the Holy Spirit. Anyway, so the shepherd's rod book, it, And then the Lord told me to write a book about prayer. Wow. He said, I want you to teach my people to pray. I said, okay. Jesus appeared to me. He appeared sad, and he's not sad. And he said with a melodious tone in his voice, he said, Bobby, my people don't like to talk to me. The least attended service in any church in America is prayer meeting. Least attended service in any church is prayer meeting. Jesus told me, Bobby, my people don't like to talk to me. He said then with a twinkle, a sparkle in his eye, he said, but I am going to give you a phrase That'll change the whole paradigm about prayer. He'll turn prayer from a drudgery to delight, from a duty to desire. I said, I want it. What is it? What phrase are you going to give me? He said, you tell my body what a real prayer is. It is an audience with the king. None of us can turn that down. The king of glory invites us to come anytime, place, and pour our heart out before him. He's never too busy to hear us. John 16, 24, Jesus said, John 16, 24, up until now, You've not asked. Ask now, and you'll get what you're asking, so your heart will be happy. John 16, 24. You might say, why now? 2 Corinthians 6, 2. 2. Corinthians 6, 2 says, now is an acceptable time, a time of an assured welcome, a time he will hear you, and a time he will help you. Wow. 1 John 5, 14 says, this is the confidence we have in him if we ask him anything according to his word, we know that he hears us. If we know that he hears us, we're totally confident we're going to get what we're asking. Do you believe that? See, we need to study the Bible to see the promises of God and then pray back God's promises to him. Lord, you said we've got to know what's ours. I'm telling you, he'll move heaven and earth to give you what he's promised. The word that goes out of his mouth won't come back empty. It will accomplish the purpose for which he sends it. We got, that's why we've got to know the word of God. The devil will fight you tooth and toenail to keep you out of the Word of God. While we're talking about that, get a Bible. (laughs) You can't memorize the Bible on a tablet. I promise you, you can't. Now, I preach to millennials all the time. They go, huh? No. (laughs) Study with a computer. Study with a tablet. But get you a paper Bible where you can write in it, mark in it, circle in it. You can't memorize it on a tablet. You read it on a tablet, slap the tablet. Two minutes later, you can't tell me what you read. You can't. Try it. Your mind's not geared for it. You're ready for the next page. Get you a Bible. If you can find it, get the Amplified Classic. Don't get the one made in 2015, the AMP. Get the AMPC. They're hard to find, but they're worth it. They're worth it. You say, well, you know, I got a Bible. You know, it's that King James Version. Have you read Psalms 92.10 in the King James Version? It says, my horn, you see. It says, I shall be anointed with fresh oil. That fresh oil will extend my horn like that of a unicorn. Now, how many of them have you seen? (laughs) I have never seen a one. I'm 76 years old. I've never seen a unicorn. I've seen some little kids carrying unicorn dolls. But I don't like Psalms 92.10 in the King James Version. Here's another King James Version. Psalms 119, verse 9 through 11. The Lord said, I want you to teach your grandchildren Psalms 119, verse 9 through 11. Now, I I thought, that's a noble thing to do. So I said, okay, I'll I'll teach them Psalms 119, 9 through 11. I'd memorized it in the King James Version. Here's what it says. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed according to thy word. With my whole heart have I sought after thee. Oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. Let's get real. You think some little rednecks are going to memorize that? Heck no, it sounds like Shakespeare <laughs> with all. So here, here's what I can call any one of my grandchildren, all the one, one from 26 all the way down to five years old, and I can say, hey, how can a young person live a clean life? And they'll echo by obeying the Bible. See, it's the very same thing the Bible said, but in a vernacular they can receive. we got to quit putting a haste high, the cows can't reach it. <laughs> Always quoting Dr. So-and-so, Hey! You got Jesus. You don't need to quote some doctor. Get the Bible into a language people can understand. That's why I like the Message Bible. I like the Passion. But I love the Amplified Classic. Those extra words they put in there is the Greek or the Hebrew, but in the language you can understand. So that get it, you'll have to get it on eBay now. You can't buy As far as I know, you can't buy it. But it, it'll be okay. It'll be it'll get. Do it if you will. You can. Okay. So, what are we going to talk about today? Let's talk about, let's talk about some stuff. You want to? Some stuff out of this book. This book will change your life. You believe that? Yeah. Remember last year I came and uh, it was the craziest thing. Before the Day of Atonement last year, I'd be walking and change would fall. Coins? I'm still finding them, by the way. Every day I find a coin somewhere, honest to God. But last year during the shepherd's rod period, I'd be walking, change would fall. I'd be sitting at my desk, change would fall. I'd be sitting on an airplane street, change would fall out of the air. So after days of that, I said to the Lord, hey, what's this? He said, you go back to the body of Christ and announce to them, change is in the air. And he said, their spiritual tomorrow will not look like they're today. And so I, every day I find coins. Every day, change. It's pretty amazing. Aren't you glad there's change in the air? We're going from one dimension to the next dimension. I I love it. It said, we've never been where we're going now. Joshua 1 says, prepare the people, get them ready, because they've never been where we're going now. I like new territory. I'm I'm screaming. How do we enter into new territory? I'm glad you asked. Isaiah 48, 6 and 7. Isaiah 48, 6 and 7 says, behold, I do a new thing. It's new now and not prior to now. So you wouldn't say, yes, I already knew that. Wow. Say new thing. You you want to see that verse in Isaiah? Sure you do. I'm right here at it. Isaiah 48, verse 6. You've heard these things foretold. Now you see this fulfilled. And will you not bear witness to it? I have shown you specified new things from this time forth, even hidden things kept in reserve, which you have not known. They are created now, called into being by the prophetic word. And not long ago and before today, you have never heard of them, lest you say, I already knew that. See, you can't teach somebody something they think they already know. We had to remain teachable. Remember, Jeremiah went down to the potter's house, and the pot, he was, the pot was being made, but it had a mar in it, had a defect in it, so it had to start over. Our job to be, is to be clay on the potter's wheel, and we've got to stay moist and pliable. We get brittle, we'll get broken. Stay moist, stay pliable. Stay in the Word of God. Stay ready for the master to touch you and fold you and mold you into what he wants you to be. Right. But if you go down there... Now, I'm, uh, last year I went to a potter. Uh, there's a, a group of potter people that, that make uh, cups and uh, pottery ware, whatever you call it. So my wife and I go up there to meet him. Uh, and so I'm watching this lady do the pot, They make beautiful cups. And I thought to myself, at that time I was 75, I said... I'm 75 years old, and I have never made a cup. I said to the gal, do you mind if I if I use your clay? And she said, uh, hey, uh, are you a potter? I said, no, but I'm fixing to be. <laughs> she said, okay. She had her clay ready. You know, it was already soft, and she worked on it for a long time. So I'd watched her. There's a thing spinning, and you give it, uh, you know, you, it can intensify. So I sat down on the little potter's stool. My wife is there with a camera, and these ladies are there with the camera. This is my first cup to ever make. So I, I, they made it look so easy, just so, so. so I sat down and I go, and it was going good. You know, pride comes before fall. It was going good till I tried to pull it up and then it got the wobbles. It's the worst-looking cup you've ever seen. It looks like the Leaning Tower of Pisa, and it looks, it's, it's, but those girls took that cup, glazed it, fired it, they've got it in their display shelf, it's grotesque looking, it's, <laughs> and, but they've got Bobby Connors' cup. I, I thought, oh, Lord, I hope that don't define my ministry. It's a, <laughs> it was a goofy-looking cup, man, but I want us to stay moist and let the Lord mold us. Ephesians, Ephesians 2.10 says we are His workmanship, created under good works. I looked up that in every English translation I could find on earth. Ephesians 2.10, we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus under good works which God before ordained that we conduct ourselves in them. That just simply means God created things for us to do before He created us. I find purpose in that, don't you? Psalms 139 verse 18 says all of our days are written in His book before we've ever lived a single one of them. See, we're not just free-falling here. God's got a plan. How do you find out His plan? Ephesians 5, 14 through 18. We walk with goal, and aim, and true purpose. We find the Word of God. We chart our life by the Word of God. It'll lead us, on. it? Thy Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Psalm 119, 105. But you can stumble in the dark if you want to, or you walk in the light. Psalms 119, verse 130 said, The entrance, the penetration of His Word gives light. It gives me a grasp and a comprehension of the ways of God. You can't know God on a dimension. God wants you to know if you're shallow in the Bible. See, this Bible is not just print on parchment. It is a person. And the Word became what? And dwelt among us. Yeah, that's right. Don't you believe that? See, when you pick up the Bible, you're not picking up print on paper. You're engaging a person. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory. You'll never know Jesus on the dimension. You need to know Him if you're shallow in the Word. The devil knows that. So he's going to do everything he can to keep you away from the word. We're a generation that despises silence. But if you're going to get to know God, you have to do Psalms 46, 10, and 11. Psalms 46, 10, 11 says, be still and know that I am God. Any benefit, any benefit to knowing God, Daniel eleven thirty-two 32b. Daniel eleven thirty-two 32b says, but the people that do know their God, they will display strength and they will take action. Wow. So the devil knows that verse. So he's going to do everything he can to keep you ignorant from knowing God. But the people that do know Daniel eleven thirty two 32b, if you get to know God, you're going to display strength and you're going to take action. One translation says they'll do mighty exploits. Did you know every gospel presents Jesus in a different genre? Guess, one, guess which one I like better than any of them? Mark! Mark! Mark presents action. He's the Jesus of action. The most repetitive word in the gospel of Mark is immediately and straightway. It's action. I love it, man. Oh, man. Christianity was never meant to be some kind of oratory. You quoted the verse. The kingdom of God doesn't come with just mere talk, but with God demonstrated deeds. If talking would have got the kingdom here, it had been here. But we got to demonstrate it. Paul said, my speech and my preaching was not with eloquent words, but in a demonstration of the Spirit's power. Isn't that 1 Corinthians 2? Yes, it is. 1 Corinthians 2, 1 through 5. Verse 5 says, so that your faith would not stand, stand in the intellectual preface of a man, but rather in the power of God. We've got to demonstrate what God says, don't you think? Look out now. You're looking sharp. Uh-huh. What kind of rig is this? Tell me about it. Uh, German. German? I used to go eight or nine times to Germany every year. That was in early, the early 90s. And I said, God, why in the world are you sending me over here? Because they're hostile to the supernatural. And he said, when they give credence to it, it'll give credence to it around the whole world. You've never seen nothing like it in this early 90s. We'd go over there and fill up those stadiums. The Holy Ghost would fall on those germans. They'd be drunk for days. I mean, you couldn't have put a pistol on them and made them act like that. I, listen, it, but isn't that something? So I'd go, and I'm going back over there. Uh, good gracious, June, I think it is. They're raising the dead over there. Yes, they are. Uh, They raised a guy out of the morgue that had been dead for four days. Because, see, a lot of skeptics said, well, maybe he was in a coma. Four days in the morgue with a thing around his toe? He's dead. (laughs) That was over in Germany next to Stuttgart. But we went all over there. Got a good friend that lives in Ludenscheid, Walter Heidenreich. I got over there. couldn't read German. And I wanted to eat. So I'm out there in an outdoor cafe. And the little waiter brought a big old hunk of meat to another table, and I thought, that's what I'm having, so when, when he came back, I said, I'll have whatever that is, and he goes, Vondival, something like that, it wasn't Vondival, good God, it was a pig knuckle, a pig foot, no meat on it, just, I, I said, nein, I don't, so the only German word I knew was Schnitzel. so I traded my pig knuckle for a Schnitzel. but anyway, oh boy. I have been in some things, man. Good Lord, I was talking to a group of uh, people, and I uh, there were a whole bunch of different nationalities and nations in this uh, All Nations Conference, and so I said, uh, "What is your favorite food?" Argentina was beef. I go, oh, man, I'm with you." You know, steak. The, and then, and we got over there to uh, uh, Taiwan. I said, "What's your favorite food?" And they go, "In harmony." Meow. That's enough said. Meow. I said, I'm not eating at y'all's table. <laughs> That's true, but I've eaten stuff you couldn't eat—not even legal to eat. Yeah, I'm, sometimes when you're in a foreign country, you don't—and this businessman, I thought he was showing me the sea creatures that was around there. We was ordering lunch. They brought a a living sea snake out there. <laughs> And I thought, good God. And they go, hit him in the head and then cut him up. And he's still laying there going, eh. And the guy goes, I go, (laughs) yeah, yeah. We was ordering lunch. I thought he was showing me an aquarium, you know. (laughs) I go, yeah, uh uh-huh, you know. You think I'd ordered a a sea snake or whatever? "Mm -hmm." No, but anyway. I've had some stuff. I was off in some island, and they would beautiful water, and they catch gorgeous fish. And, you know, I love fish, but anyway, they wouldn't cook them then. They'd carry them and stick a hole in their mouth and tie them up in a tree and let the hot sun swell them up. They'd pop and start draining. Then they'd cook them. So I said, why don't we just scale them and cook them? No, no. No, no. I might have mispronounced that, but that's something like, <laughs> no way. Yeah, but they waited till the thing started rotting to cook it. Whew. I'm going to be honest. If you could get past the aroma, it was good. Uh, rotten fish. And then there's got the, some chicken, unhatched chicken in an egg. They leave it in the sand for a, a hundred days. Hmm. But I've fared okay. Anyway, that doesn't have anything to do with what I'm talking about. But uh, I want to tell you something. Following Jesus is exciting. We've been all over the earth. I mean, we've wore out stacks of passports. The Lord told me when I got saved, He said, I'm going to send you around the world with the gospel. I said, fat chance. That means no way, but He means it. And boy, we have been into situations, circumstances that altered whole, whole, whole. Here, I'll give you one, one story about it, and then we'll pray for you. I was sent to Asia, and to do something, I was sent there to drive back a three-toed dragon. I went into a trance, and I saw a three-toed dragon come to the mouth of a cave and was looking over all of the yellow people, all of the people in Asia. And the Lord said, you see that? I said, yes. He said, I'm sending you to Asia. If you don't drive back that three-toed dragon, there's going to be a world war. I I said, okay. So I go, and I end up in Seoul, Korea, and we do this stuff to drive back a three-toed dragon to keep him from coming out of a cave onto the earth. And the Lord said, okay, you finished it. So I just said, well, we're so glad that we finished the commission of driving back a three-toed dragon. All right. U.S. government called me, the CIA department, and said, who gave you that name? That was the code name for a world war they thought was about to start. Three-toed dragon. I'm telling you guys, see, God will not do anything on planet Earth without first telling the prophets what he's going to do. We prophesied every war, every terrorist attack before it happens. I'm telling you, if we would tune in, God would tell us what's going to happen before it happens. Prepare us before, instead of just mopping up the water, we could turn off the faucet. You know what I mean? That's true. It said Amos 3, 7. He said, absolutely, I'll not do a single thing on planet Earth without first revealing what I'm going to do to his servants of prophets. And I'm telling you guys, it's documented. We prophesied the terrorist attack, prophesied the day and hour the desert storm war would happen. We prophesied, now this is the good things, we prophesied some of the richest oil finds in America. Uh, Yeah, the largest gas reserve in the history of America. We prophesied it with this finger right here. I said, why, there's wealth right here where I'm standing. They found the largest gas reserve in the history of America. They pay $1 million a month, $12 million a year to, to siphon and build a well there. And then they give anybody in the lineage line a check. The Barnett Shell, Then the Balkings out here in the Dakotas, we prophesied that. They called me and said, come, we want to fly you around and show you what you prophesied. So I heard about the guys flying of LPS. I said, no, you can drive me around. But, uh, so they drove us around and showed us. It, it's, it's wild. That's what God will do. Trust the Lord, you will be established. Believe his prophets and you'll prosper. We prophesied gold reserves. It's crazy. One time I was in England and I said, why sure there's oil out there in the North Sea. Oh, they looked at me like that idiot. He just? But, you know, that was before they found all in the North Sea. But see, God, no telling what God would show you if you just line up with the prophets. He'll show you the future. Because he's not going to do something without telling the prophets. And then the prophets were prophesying. Have you ever read Acts chapter 2 verse 1? Acts chapter 2 said they were all in. No, they were all in one place. In one accord. Why were they in that place? Luke 29, Luke 4, 29 says, Jesus said, go tarry in Jerusalem. See, what? what if they'd go? what if they didn't listen to what Jesus prophesied? They wouldn't have been in the right place to get what God was giving. They were all in one place in one accord. You've got to be in the right geographical location. How does that happen? You follow the Holy Spirit. You ask him what to do. He's very capable of leading you. you. Remember that verse? Those that are zealously in love with the Holy Spirit. He'll open your understanding, your perception. Do you believe you have spiritual vision inside you? Ephesians 1, 17, 18 said, I pray that the eyes of your heart will be flooded with revelatory light. You can see further with these eyes than these. Did you know it? You can see in the future by the eyes of the heart. I pray that the eyes of your heart will be flooded with revelatory light, that you will have a grasp and a comprehension of the ways of God. Ephesians 1, 17 and 18. You can see a long way according to the Bible. It says Moses saw the sufferings of Christ. Chronologically, that's a long way, isn't it? So I could tell you when how I did that, but that's okay. Ah, oh, good. I think you ought to write a song. I'm serious. Get you a, a yellow piece of paper and a pen and write it down, okay? song. Write a song, uh-huh. S-O-N-G. S-O-N-G, yeah. Okay. Now, I'm telling you, if you'll do it, it'll, it'll bless some people, even you, okay? Write the song that he puts in your heart. Don't worry about the music, okay? Just write the song. It wasn't that Barry Manilow? I'd write the song. <laughs> I know guys in Texas, they can gut a deer and can't change a diaper. Yeah, yeah. Aren't they wonderful? I think you're wonderful. That's what I think. She's the thing. I think you're loud. (laughs) That's how the birds go. Oh, I said it's Big Bird and Wolfman at the same time. (laughs) Hello. Now, I'll tell you what the Bible says about them. Psalms 112, verse 2 said, The offspring of the upright will be mighty in the earth. Look up the Hebrew word. It means they will advance swiftly and take charge. Here's one about it. You ready? Isaiah 44, 3 and 4, I will pour water upon him that is thirsty, floods upon dry ground. I will pour my spirit on your offspring, and they will spring up like willows by a fertile river. If you're hungry, your children will flourish. The Bible also says the parents eat bitter fruit, and the children's teeth get set on edge. How you live will forge the future of your... Lineage line. We need to live holy. Grandparents, we need to pass off a good legacy. You're forging the future for your children. You know that, don't you? Why, sure. Well, don't you want to hand this thing off better than we found it? Yeah. Well, sure you do. And so, that's good. Train up a child in the way ways to go. When he's old, he won't depart from it. And they'll remember these days. They'll remember sitting on your lap, hearing the praise. They can remember what they feel. And it can follow them all their life. See, before you turn around, they'll be grown. He'll be going here, give me where she raised her dad, you know. (laughs) My baby is 54 now. Yeah. Big as a moose. Yeah. (laughs) Me and him got in a scuffle one time. He was a senior in high school, a football player. Always always been big. And we're supposed to be building my wife a, a flower bed out of cross ties and stuff. And so he was a football player then and big, a senior in high school. And he was bumping me around. So I told my wife, I said, I'm fixing to throw him down. She said, you're about to get hurt. <laughs> I grabbed him. He was a senior in high school. And listen, you might as well have grabbed a hold of an ox. And me being stubborn, I thought, I'm getting him down one way or the other. So I kicked both of her feet out from under, like the jiu-jitsu's. But the jiu-jitsu's don't let them fall on you. So I fell across a cr- cross tie and he fell on me. Have you ever heard you? It's just like you take a mop and go, it broke my rib. I, I'm hurt. My ribs broke, sticking out. And so I go in the house. I run in the house and I fall on the sofa and I was expecting mercy. And my wife said, I told you. I go down to the doctor, Dr. Marjorie Roper. She's in heaven now. And there it, the thing's sticking out like this. And I'll give you a secret. Don't wear cowboy boots if you got to pull a ball. You pull it out, the rib would pop out again. I was in sandals. I looked like a California guy before. you know. But anyway. Oh, Lord. Broke my rib. It was my fault because I'm the one kicked her feet out from under us and drug him down on me. Anyway, I said, I'll hit you in the head the two before. That's what I told him, you know, to keep him off of me in prior days, you know. But anyway, it took forever for that thing to heal up. That Dr. Roper said, oh man, said, the bad news, I can set it, but all I can do is tape it up. (laughs) Have you ever tried to enjoy yourself when you got a broke rib? You can't hardly think about nothing else but what's throbbing. (laughs) Anyway, don't wrestle your kids. Love on them, treat them, you know. Get the bluff in on them, but uh, you know, don't wrestle them. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. My boys love me. They both got these big old beards like Doug Dynasty guys. This is all. Then it sounds kinky, but it's absolute truth. We got two or three different homes around the world, and anyway, down there in Texas, uh, that's where the kids live, and I got a big old bed in there. And so, I'll come in from some place in the world, get back there and fall in the bed, and here'll come the boys. Both of them. One of them's 47, the other's uh, 53, 54 now. And they'll run and jump in bed and kiss me all over the face with their big old bushy beards. Good Lord, it looks like a buffalo Waller. That's what it looks like. They're, they're, listen. But see, I didn't have a daddy. My daddy died in a mental institution. Yeah from a venereal disease. No. I've seen one picture of my dad, but just because you don't have one don't mean you can't be one. Yeah. And my boys love me. They'll hurt you. and boys will hurt you over me, I'm telling you. I am telling you. But uh, uh, they'll, just, they'll just hug me, and, and I'll tell you, I like it. I really do. I want them. They appreciate us, and they love us, but listen, you say, well, I'm not one of them touchy-feely guys. Well, I tell you what you need to do. You need to become one. I'm telling you, we're created to caress. Hitler did a thing called oh, I don't I don't even want to. Hitler did a project called Thirty Seven. They took thirty-seven perfectly born babies and swaddled them, fed them, but they never let anybody nurture them. And within a few months, every one of them were dead. They had all the nourishment they needed, but they had no human touch. We're created. We're created to be caressed by God. We're created to. Exp- I'm telling you, these big old kids, they're, some of them are aimless because they, there's no dad in the house. The devil it knows what he knows. He understands if a house divide divided, it won't stand. And I'm telling you, you dads, how long has it ever been since you apologized to your children? My oldest son, his job was to mow the yard. And uh, he'd do a good job mowing a big old yard down in Texas in the hot heat with a push, uh, not a a, a uh, not a gas operated but you had to push it. So I come in one time from a trip and all the yard was mowed pristinely till you get to about right before you get to the edge of the flower bed and it was still bushy like that. So I come barging in, tired from a round the world trip and I didn't say I appreciate all that you did on the other. The only thing I got only thing I got on him was about the little part that wasn't mowed. Now listen Uh, I didn't ask, did the mower break? Did the blade come loose? I didn't ask that. I just got on him about, why didn't you finish the job you started? And the Lord said to me, that makes me sick. That's what the Lord said. That makes me sick. He said, aren't you glad I don't treat you that way? And I had to apologize to my teenage son. There's some of us right here in this room need to do the same thing. Your words have wounded your offspring. And they can't blossom and bloom like they need to because you've shriveled their growth with vicious words. I dare you to go home, take their face in your hands and tell them, I love you and I appreciate you. It'll mean something. But see, we say, Oh no, I don't, I don't like that. Kind of, I'm a man. No, you're a chicken. You hadn't got guts to face reality. That's why there's so many drug dealers flourishing. There's so many gangs because they'll show them Attention. Okay. I know. We go, I, I, I know. Ask the Lord. Ask him what you need to do. It's hard to sit down there to, and say, I'm sorry, I didn't handle it right. I didn't. See, men think we've got to have all the answers. God will put you in a situation you don't have the answer. I promise you. I promise you this. God will put you in a situation where you don't have the answer. You think I'm wrong, look at Psalms 107 verse 23. These men that do business in great waters, they see the works of the Lord because He raises up the stormy winds. He lifts up the waves as high as the heaven. and drops it down as low as the depths. These seasoned sailors stagger to and fro, they're at their wit's end. You ever been there? It means they've expelled, expir- expensed, expired every bit of their expertise and it's still no change. It's a journey every one of us have to take to get to our wit's end. God God started the storm not to hurt them, but to show how desperately they needed God. The next verse, Psalms 107, verse 23 and 4 says, Then they cried unto the Lord in their distress, and he hurt them and brought them out of all of their dilemma. Oh, that men would praise God. How many times have you read the word cry in the Bible? It's in there a lot. And they cried. I used to think that they got their little napkin. I looked it up in the Hebrew. It, when they cried, the word cried means they screamed and screeched in anguish and agony. How long has it been since you've been in a prayer meeting like that? They screamed and screeched in anguish and agony. Wow. But then God brought those sailors out of all their problems. Well, anyway, we've rambled. But good. That's right. That's right. I like, I quote Micah 3.8 all the time. And so Micah, that's his, he said his mom used to holler, Micah 3.8. That says, truly I am full of power by the spirit of the Lord. You ought to have that on your mirror in the bathroom. Yes, truly I am full of power by the spirit of the Lord, Micah 3.8. Joel 3.10, that's a good one. Joel 3.10 says, let the weak now declare they're strong. So you start declaring that the devil will start believing it. But if you go, you know, I got some issues. The devil goes, oh, we got an open door here. Uh-huh. Well, that's right. What do you do? Did we talked about that once, didn't we? Yep. Time you're here. All right. On, on delivery driver for uh, any company. A what now? Delivery driver for any company. A delivery driver. Okay, good. That's the same thing you were doing last time. Yep. God bless you. Thank you. I mean that. Oh, I've, I've had all kind of... They send limos after me to pick me up to bring me from places... I'm in Dallas, Texas on Interstate 35. Have you ever been there? It's a bunch of rednecks, full throttle. Four or five lanes going this way and this way. So they they send me a a, a limo to pick me up, to carry me out there to Chuck Pierce's place. So I'm in the back, and there's this uh, uh, man driving. And he doesn't speak English. I said, no, here's the address. You know, I don't speak Arabic. And anyway, but apparently he read English. I said, this is where I'm going. So, all right. I'm back there just trying to get my mind on what we're going to say at the Chuck Pierce place. And I got to notice it. He ain't got his hands on the steering wheel. We're running about 60 to 70 miles an hour with three lanes of traffic on each side. And I look up there, and this dude's texting and driving with his knees. Yeah. Listen, I forgot about speaking Arabic. I said, hey, put your hands on the steering wheel and start driving. He said, I'm a professional. I said, you ain't that good. <laughs> That's, driving down the road, one little bobble, you know. Listen. Anyway, it made him so mad he came to the meeting, the guy. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Came to the meeting. <laughs> yeah. See? Oh, man. But I, I, don't, I don't know. We've been in some situations. What do you do? I'm retired, but I had a construction company. What kind I'm of construction? Uh, I put up many new homes. Did you? Good. We, build in the, uh, we, we bought another home. I went in and I thought, yeah, this will be good. I said, yes. And then when I said yes, my wife said, you know, I don't like those popcorn ceilings. (laughs) Then I don't like that cabinet top. Good Lord, I thought we were just going to put in a bed and move in. You know what I mean? (laughs) Oh, man, that wasn't the case. (laughs) Have you ever tried to get popcorn ceiling off a ceiling? It's a mess, man. It's a mess. But anyway, everything's working out good. Yeah, we built a big old house in Moravian Falls. It's 59 feet off the ground. I've driven one nail in there. Not sure that was in the right place, you know. Yeah, yeah. We had a guy up in my attic once, and uh, his name's Ronnie Hawcomb. He's a big old red moose-looking guy. And so I, I don't know all that handyman mess. But anyway, he's up in the attic, and they're supposed to be driving down some... Sheet of a uh, uh, ply board to make storage in the attic. So I'm down there in the thing and Ronnie hollers at me. Hey brother, yeah, hand me the nail gun. What? Hand me the nail gun. I said, what is it? He said, it's that thing hissing at the end of the hose. Have you ever picked up a loaded nail gun? <laughs> this is my first time I've ever picked one up. So it's over there hissing like a small cobra, and I pick it up like this, and it goes off. Ka-ping! Ka-ping! And every time it would go off, it'd go off again. And it's shooting out nails to drive through two of sixes. And nails are going everywhere. Ta-ping! And Ronnie goes, well, uh, my God, put it down! That's what he said. So he got down on the ladder and got the nail gun. I thought to myself, I could have been having fun. <laughs> That's right. Ronnie, good lord. But I'm not, I'm, I'm not a handyman. But I, you know, I know a lot of people that are. I nearly got electrocuted because I got mad, God thinking I couldn't do something. That's right. I had 240 volts up against me trying to take it off with a screwdriver and it hot. When I dropped the thing, I hit a metal pipe and blew fire all the way up to the ceiling. God said, you're supposed to be over there laying purple dead, but you're so stupid. Now get up and call Gary Johnson. That's say, Gary Johnson could fix all that. And he said, you're supposed to be dead, but I spared you. I had 240 volts, like hooks to run the dryer. And it's, it's, it's full and I've got it up against my mouth and I'm sweating. See, just that's pride. I said to God, God, I can do that. But I, I left the fire. You, you can still see where the thing burned up to the ceiling. I left it there just to remind me. See, God told me, said, I gave him a gift, I gave you one. You stay out of his Metron, he'll stay out of yours. You know what I mean? So he's got a handyman. He can fix anything. Gary Johnson. Well, we've got to go. It's time to leave. What? Oh, it is, it is time to go. Well, here, here's what I want to do. I want to pray for you that you'll have that comprehensive insights into the ways of God that you'll be invigorated. Invigorated. Don't you want to be invigorated? You don't have to drink pie, what do you call it? One time they gave me that, what do you call it? Uh, Five-hour energy! (laughs) I wake up before that, you know what I mean? You don't need to suck down five hours energy or whatever that is. If you want to get invigorated, get with God and He'll stimulate you and the whole world had to run trying to keep up with you. That's right. You, they'll run and not. Yeah, weary. See, that's how you do it. I do it through superhuman energy. That's in the Bible. Colossians 1, 26 and 7 to 28. I do what I do with superhuman energy. Yeah, that's true. I've got doctor, I've got doctor documentation that says I have the inward workings of a fine home athlete. Look out now. <laughs> I have the inward workings of a fine home athlete. Uh huh. I look better on the inside than out. <laughs> I've got doctor. i got docu- documentation. Honestly, the doctor that did it did all the uh, workup for the triathlon you know, Olympic guys. At, uh, and he said, "You supersuit anything you have." Anyway, well, bet you can get old and swivel up and go. Hey, you know, I did. a few more years and go into glory. Go out swinging. Look at Moses. Look, look at, listen. Don't give up. You say, well, I could have, should have. No, Psalms 145 says you ought to do it now. It says one generation will all applaud the mighty deeds of God to the next generation, proving to them God's who he says he is. If, God, if God's doing anything right now, he's joining the generations, the Joshua and the Caleb's, the wisdom and the zeal. Yeah, so we can accomplish this end-time task. So you young guys, find, a, find an old person to love on them. Yeah. They're, they're, they're wonderful smart as a whip honestly you can learn things from them Yeah, ok let's pray for you ok put, put your hand right here where your spirit is say Lord I want to thank you that you're answering Paul's prayer I'm going to have wisdom I'm going to have an invigoration in my spirit I am going to be strengthened with power and might. I am going to live a life worthy of the Lord. Pleasing Him. In all I say and do. For His glory. In Jesus' name. Now the next time you start feeling weary, turn to Colossians 1, 8 through 13. I am invigorated. They that wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. Now, one of the things we've got to do is learn how to wait on the Lord. The best way to do it is Matthew 6, 6. When you seek the Lord, get in the quietest room of your house and shut the door. Shut out the distractions and focus on him. He told me once, he said, you tell my people, when it comes to seeking me, I detest multitasking. And he gave me the book of Jeremiah where it says, you will find me when you search for me and seek for me with all your heart. He demands our full attention, doesn't he? Yes, he does. Hey, like my cowboy shirt. Oh, yeah. I, I sing a Willie Nelson here. You know. Where's yeah. the glitter? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Oh, man. I, they, they used, This is the honest to God truth. They used to mistake me for Glenn Campbell. Years ago, I looked like Glenn Campbell had long sideburns, and they chased me down the airport. Honest to God, would not know if I was Glenn Campbell. So I'd sing him a stanza of "Rhinestone Cowboy," and they all run the other way. <laughs> they realized real quick that's a Glenn Campbell lookalike. That ain't my mother. Let me. My mother went with me once. My, you know how mothers are. We're in a Dallas airport, and uh, Charlie Pride, you remember Charlie Pride? He was a, a, a forerunner of, of black people that sang country and Western music. He was famous for it. And so there he was in Dallas airport, and he's, got, he's hiding behind the paper because you know, you, they don't their privacy invaded. And so I made the mistake of saying to my mother, "Hey, mom, that's Charlie Pride over there. He's on all the television stations then. My mother, little but she, she, was, she was fiery. She said, "It is." And she runs over there and just invades his paper. (laughs) Now, here's what my mama said. You ready? To Charlie Pride? My mama says, you don't even sound black. That's what she said to Charlie Pride. He looked at her and I can still, he got the sweetest smile on his face you've ever seen. And just, just loved my mother. He signed her autographs. He gave her pictures and all that. And listen, she's sitting over there by him just happy happy as a monkey, man. If, but isn't that something? Well, oh, Lord, bless my mama. Yeah, anyway, she was something. I used to get, get my car behind hers and hook bumpers and get her to about 90 miles an hour. She had a 54 Chevrolet at the steering wheel about the size of a garbage can. And I'd run up and hook my 57 Chevrolet to her bumper and I'd get her up about 100. Yeah, <laughs> she's terrified. She can't turn loose of the steering wheel. Yeah. Then I'd cut her loose and just... I'd get home, she'd be madder than no a wasp. She'd say, you're going to kill us all. Uh, Yeah, but I've always liked adventure. I put my car on the railroad track and let the air out of the tires, and I'd run over 110 miles an hour. Not my hand. What was I thinking? No train schedule. What are you going to do? Hold it. I'll back up. Union Pacific Railroad track, and I'm driving a Pontiac 110 miles an hour with no hands on the wheel. I let the air out of the tires and leaned over the track like that. It was pretty cool. I wouldn't do it now for a billion dollars. See, when you're young and dumb, you don't even think about that. You go, oh, yeah, but I'm the first one ever done this. <laughs> what I want to know is this. Where was reality television when I was growing up? I'd lay in bed and shoot flies off the ceiling with a 22. Now, that keeps people in the roofing business. <laughs> hmm. yeah. Shooting a gun in the house. But the house that we was in wasn't too good. My mama's false teeth froze in the cup one night. That's how cold it was. Yeah. Look out, man. Yeah. We grew up rough. Now, this is all true. I could tell you stories you couldn't even start to believe. But anyway. My mama used to make her clothes out of feed sack. The farmers would give her feed sacks, She'd wash them. She, we had no money, and she'd make her clothes. Had no car, so she'd stand on Highway 31 and thumb a ride to church. Wow. I grew up laying on my mother's knee, uh, sleep in church, and they had a big old grandfather clock with a click, 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 click. And when I'm grown in a dope deal, I'm supposed to shoot a guy in the head twice, put him in a trunk, and put him in a river. And I'm sitting there in a house. I am in a mess, man, I'm, I'm, a, and a, I, I'm just dealing in all kind of bad, bad stuff, and I'm sitting there and down the hall in this big house was one of those grandfather clocks clicking, and for a second I thought, oh, if I could go back to being that little bitty boy laying on my mother's lap, but now I'm entwined in wicked, wicked things, I'm supposed to shoot a guy twice in the head, I hear the car drive up, I cock the gun put it in the back of my pants, I go to the door, and on the door is, so help me God. The man standing there that I'm supposed to shoot, he looked just like my best friend's daddy. You just can't shoot Mr. Bailey in the head. Now, I'm telling you, so I put the gun in, we go in, and I don't have the drugs, I don't have the money. that's already been taken out by some other people. And we're sitting there at a the table way up in the morning, like 3, 4 o'clock in the morning, and this old drug addict cigarette stains all over his fingers from smoking. He leaned across the table and hit me in the jaw like this. Wham! And said, what are you doing in a life like this? You don't want to wind up like me. This is a dope addict prophesying to me. He said, why don't you go home? And that's when I went home. I left the drug scenes, all the money in the world, house with, you couldn't imagine the opulence and all that mess. And I go home and my brother and my mother and then would tie me in bed with bedsheets and bathe me off 24 hours a day with alcohol and ice. I'd beg my brother to shoot me in the head. See, I tell you, the devil will allure you off into stuff and never show you what it's really like. First time I walked into that place, I thought, oh boy, this little boy's arrived. Pitch me the keys to a Jaguar car. All the money you could imagine. But I'd be right in the middle of that thing be empty. The world doesn't have the answer, does it? Jesus does. So, Therefore, for any man being Christ, he's a new creation. That's true, isn't it? So we've been there for some of you. So if you want that peace, turn your life over to Jesus. The worst thing you can do is come to church and still live like the devil. That's the worst thing you can do because a double-minded person is unstable in all their ways. Make up your mind and say, Jesus, I'm going to serve you. I don't care what people think. Okay? That's one of the first few rows when I preached was policeman. That's true. I, was, I grew up rough. Got called from my mother's womb with a with a anointing for prophets. Had a visitation from heaven when I was five. Started drinking alcohol when I was eight. A demon came into me, tried to kill me till the fall of nineteen sixty eight. Hmm. All right. So that's what, that's the deal. My favorite verse in the whole Bible yeah, as far as my salvation is Psalms 40. I waited patiently upon the Lord. He inclined it to me. heard my cry. He brought me up out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay. He set my feet upon a solid rock. He established my goings. He put a new song in my mouth. Even praise unto our God. Many shall see it in fear and trust the Lord. When you get saved, He'll change your life. All right, Well, that's a long rattling thing but we better get out here. We're going, to some, going somewhere else after a while. Hey, come to the book table. Get a book and I'll sign it and I'll I'll try not to, I'll give you a verse, a nice one. Yeah, I won't give you Job 10.10. You poured me out like milk.